guy who is giving you the job interview, he says, all right now, he says, I want you to tell me your best attributes. I want you to tell me what you're really good at. Tell me, what are your strengths? Tell me some of the good things that you've been able to accomplish in various situations you've been in. And so he asks you to sort of brag on yourself, you know. It's kind of it's uncomfortable to have to do that, you know. He, uh, Mom always told us not to brag, you know. We really don't like a braggart. And this guy's effectively asking us to brag about ourselves. What are you good at? What are your strengths? What have you been able to do? What are your good accomplishments? And so, uh, it's a little bit uncomfortable. And there's, it, it, it effectively goes against the biblical principle of humility, you know. We're supposed to be humble, not proud. And this guy's sort of giving us a, a, a green flag to brag about ourselves. That, that's sort of uncomfortable, you know. And then, after he's asked you to brag about yourself and tell him all the good things, then he says, now he says, uh, tell me what your weaknesses are. Tell me what you're not good at doing. Tell me, tell me some situations wherein you have failed. Well, now, you know, I, I hate to bring all of that up. You know, I'm, I am trying to get this job. And he wants me to tell him what I can't do while I'm trying to get this job. I want to tell you, that whole job interview situation is real uncomfortable. Uh, there, there's so much about it that we don't like. I'd rather never have to be in that situation, really. What about all that? Well, I want to make a spiritual application, as we always do. And I, what I'm thankful for is that God holds no such interviews. God's not going to interview us in that way. God doesn't ask us to present a resume to Him before He considers us uh, for His blessings, before He considers us to be in a relationship with Him. It's not like that. The requirements and the expectations are totally different than it would be in that job interview situation. This morning we want to talk about some of those requirements and expectations that God has for us. As we said, they are different and we can be grateful. Before we get to that study, though, let me stop here for a minute to add words of welcome to those that Joel already expressed. We're grateful for the presence of everyone. And we couldn't have asked for a more beautiful day in Middle Tennessee. It's great to be able to be together to join in this period of worship, to praise God and give honor to Him. We, we certainly hope and trust that we'll be able to do that and that He'll be pleased with our worship today. But we also hope that everyone present will be edified, built up, strengthened by the things that we'll do while we're together in this period this morning. We have visitors today. We're always grateful for our visitors. We want you to know that, and we hope that you'll come back every time you have an opportunity and please know that we are open to your questions. Ask any questions that you might have about what we're doing here at College View. Thanks for being here today. As a text for our study this morning, I want to use a part of that passage that Larry read for us earlier. I want to key in especially in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want uh, to place special emphasis on this phrase in that statement, forgetting those things which are behind. Uh, too many times people allow their past to prevent them from presently being what God wants them to be. 
And in our lesson this morning, I just want to stress two simple areas of concern. The first area of concern is our past bad that we have committed. And we need to forget about the past. Um, when Paul said that he was engaged in the process of forgetting what was behind, that's really not too surprising to hear the Apostle Paul say that he was trying to do that. Because we know the life of the Apostle Paul, and we know there was an awful lot in his past that would have been real discouraging to remember. Go back with me, just review that real quickly. In Acts chapter 7, we have just recently read about the stoning of Stephen. And when Stephen was stoned in Acts chapter 7 at verse 58, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And so Saul of Tarsus, who would become the Apostle Paul, he was right there. When the first man was put to death for being a Christian, we often call Stephen the first Christian martyr, when he was put to death, Saul was there. And the indication is that he may have been in charge of the proceedings to stone Stephen. As we go into chapter 8 there, says Saul was consenting to his death and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison so this Saul of Tarsus our, our apostle Paul he was a very aggressive persecutor. Now think of this. Later when he was a Christian, when he looked back on those times, do you not think that he would have looked back with regrets? That he would have been very sorry? That potentially he could have been overwhelmed with the memory of the bad things he had done to Christians? Those who were trying to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and he was busy persecuting them? In Acts chapter 26 at verse 10, in Acts 26, verse 10, he said, uh, I did many, uh, he says, uh, verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. As we've pointed out before, the King James says he gave his voice against them, which may indicate that he testified against them, but other versions say he gave his vote against them, that he may have been a voting member of the Sanhedrin Council. Either way you go about that, he was responsible. He wanted to see Christians put to death, and he did everything in his power to cause it to happen. Now, I want to ask you, looking back on that, don't you think that he would have had extreme sorrow and regret for having participated in those things at that level? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about his former life there as well. Verse 13, he says, Who was before, speaking of himself, I was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. He said, I was a bad guy. In verse 15, he says that I was the chief of sinners. Christ Jesus came to, into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And so we're simply saying all of that to say, yes, Paul would have had a lot of things to try to put behind him. Right? And so when he uses that expression here in Philippians, that he's forgetting those things which are behind, he certainly had a lot to put behind him. Now, what can we learn from that? 
Well, from Paul's case, we can learn that we should never let our past make us think that we are somehow beyond the reach of God's grace. That I've done so many bad things for so long, there's just no way God would ever be able to forgive me. Through the years, I've had more than one individual express that sentiment. And I don't know, maybe you have had the same occasion. Or maybe you have thought that yourself. That you've just been such a bad person. And you've done so many bad things. And it's been going on for so long. There's no way God could ever forgive me for all the bad things that I've done. We should never get to thinking that way. Well, the fact of the matter is that if God forgive, could forgive the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, then he can certainly forgive us. Notice we were reading there in 1 Timothy a minute ago. Keep reading. 1 Timothy 1, verse 16. For this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You see, Paul said, my case is actually stands as an example. I was set forth as a pattern. And I think Paul is saying there, if I could be forgiven, anybody could forgive him, be forgiven. What about you? Uh, have you allowed some thought of the fact that you've been such a bad person to, to prevent you from trying to become the person God wants you to be? Don't let that happen. The fact of the matter is that we are all, in reality, horrible, wretched sinners. That not, there's not a single one of us here today who deserves to be blessed by God. There's not any one of us here who deserves to be rewarded with heaven when this life is over. In reality, every one of us deserves to be sent to the eternal fires of hell. But the fact of the matter is that God, by His grace, has made salvation available to all, and you are not excluded from that. None of us are. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. All men. No exclusions. And so, don't let your past cause you to think. Even if you've done some bad things, as we all have, don't let the embarrassment... Don't let the guilt of past things that you've done keep you from accepting the gracious gift of God of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, through faith and obedience. So first, in putting those things behind us from the past, forget the bad. Don't let it keep you from accepting the, the offer of salvation that God has put forward through Jesus. And furthermore, don't let your past keep you from trying to do better now and in the future. While, we're, while we see Paul here acknowledging his terrible past, it's, it's important to also notice that Paul refused to let that hold him back. And he didn't use it as an excuse for continued sinning. Sometimes sinners do that, you know. Ah, that's just the way I am, they say. That's just the way I've made. That's what I've, that's, that's what I do. That's what I've done. That's the way I am. That's the way I'm made. I can't help it. That's just the way it is. And these kind of people are making an additional mistake about their bad past, and they're, and they're using it as an excuse to keep them from striving to do better. And here's, here's a fella, uh, that says, well, I've got a bad temper. I fly off the handle. I, I, I get mad in a hurry. And sometimes I say and do things that I shouldn't when I get mad, but that's just the way I, I've always been that way. I, 
That, I've, I've been doing that for years, and that's just how it is. And so here's a guy, he, he's got a bad past, but he's actually using his past as an excuse. I can't help it. That's just what I do when I get mad. I use foul language. I yell and shout and don't act like a Christian should. And that's just one illustration of what we're talking about here. Some people do that. Uh, they, they act like that they're in a rut. Uh, their past has formed them in such fashion that they can't do any better. Now, what if the Apostle Paul had been of that mindset? To, to use his past as an excuse for continued misbehavior. Obviously, we know that he didn't, and neither can we. Don't let the past kind of keep you trapped into doing things that you know that you shouldn't do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're supposed to be new creatures in Christ. We can't continue in the same bad habits and traits and sins of our past. In Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, Paul says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And he goes on there in verse 5 to say, Mortify or put to death. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, you're, you're a Christian now. Put those things behind. Don't allow them to con- keep continuing on. Don't allow yourself to be in that pattern and not escape it. So, there's a couple things that I think we want to stress. Paul said that he was busy forgetting those things which are behind. We need to do the same as well. We need to forget the bad of our past. Don't let it keep us from seeking salvation. Don't let it excuse us to continue in our wrong practices. Forget the past. Put that behind you. The other obvious area of concern is that we also need to forget the good. Uh, Someone says, what? Now, wait a minute. You say I should forget the good that I have done? And I think the answer to that is yes, because there's a real potential problem here. One of them is overconfidence. If we imagine that we've done a lot of good things and we want to keep recalling all the good things we've done, then what potentially happens is that we develop an air of overconfidence that becomes very dangerous. Uh, You ever heard someone say, what are the famous last words of a redneck? Famous last words of a redneck are, watch this. <laughs> and then he tries to do something that he's not capable of doing. And if you get on the internet, there are all kinds of videos of these guys trying to do crazy stunts that they're not capable of doing. Maybe on a dirt bike or a motorcycle or a four-wheeler. And then, and they've, they've, they've done a few jumps, they've done a few tricks, and now they think they can do an even more elaborate or dangerous one. And there are all kinds of videos of these guys crashing and hurting themselves because they got overconfident, they stopped being careful, and they tried to do something uh, dangerous. I think spiritually we could draw a parallel to that. Spiritually, we're in great danger uh, if we think that we're so strong that we can't fail, you know, that, that, there, that, we're, that there's no danger. And the reason why I'm feeling sort of overconfident about that, I, I've, been, I've done pretty well here recently. 
I've been doing some really good things, and I've been able to accomplish quite a bit. And I've and I and by the way, I've been able to keep away from some of the uh, bad habits of my past. And I tell you right now, I'm doing real good. Well, when I start thinking that way, I am in trouble. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Let him that standeth, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. And he was especially warning about that overconfidence that we're so often prone to develop. Look here at the Apostle Paul. After he had done so much, what did he say there? He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Here's Paul. All of this hard work, all of this diligent effort, even things he had suffered in order to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, what did he say? I'm not there yet. I have not apprehended. And so, Paul, uh, if it, I would argue, if anybody in the course of uh, the New Testament church ever had uh, a reason to feel confident, it would have been Paul, but he didn't. He said, I have not apprehended. How many of us, unfortunately, have known brethren in the church, even strong brethren in the church, who have failed and fallen? Uh, I would hate to try and recall the number of preachers that I'm aware of who have taken desperate falls from uh, faithfulness. Uh, they apparently develop this overconfidence that we're warning about, and then they fell. And so we need to beware. So, what do we need to put behind? Paul said he was forgetting those things which were behind. Well, certainly he, he was forgetting the bad that he had done in his life, but I think he was also forgetting the good. He wasn't trying to, to uh, develop some false sense of overconfidence based upon the good things he had done, and he had done plenty. But he said he was putting that behind him. I'll tell you another problem that has to be avoided. If we, if we try to take too much credit for the good that we've done... Another problem that develops is the problem of complacency. At the, at the outset of our lesson this morning, we were illustrating by talking about an interview process where you're trying to get a new job. Uh, and, that, and that's a bad situation. But I want to suggest that at the other end of the spectrum, there's also a potential problem. Here's a guy who's had a job. And he's had this job for a long time. He's a long-term employee. But what happens to him is uh, that he gets real comfortable in his job and he gets complacent and he quits performing. He's not really terribly concerned about keeping up the good work because, man, I've been here for a long time. I've been working at this job for many years. Uh, through the years, I've done reasonably well. Uh, the boss has seemed pleased with me. I don't have to try anymore. You know what happens when a person gets in that situation? He's just lining himself up to get fired because he has grown complacent in his job. We can't let complacency set in with us spiritually either. Again, after all that Paul had done, notice what he said. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, you've done enough, man. You've got it made. Don't, you don't have to keep trying. No. Paul said, I press toward the mark. I think the emphasis there on that verb, press. I press toward the mark. He was, he was determined. He was zealous. And he wasn't letting up at all. And even in those years, those later years of his life where Paul suffered 
uh, in unjust imprisonment for the cause of Christ. He kept on keeping on. He kept pressing forward. There's no way that any of it, if Paul felt that he needed to keep pressing toward the mark, then there's not any one of us who can sit back and say, well, I've done a lot of good things. I want to tell you, I've been a Christian now for a number of years, and I've done a lot of good things. Now, I can sit back, uh, I can let others carry the load, I can rest now. I've done enough. I've done a lot. No. Never. It can never be that way. We can never grow complacent. We've got to keep working, striving, pressing on. You know, the fact of the matter is, Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 10, when we have done all that's expected of us, all that's commanded of us, He told us how we ought to... And of course, the fact is, we can't do it all. But even if we could, notice what Jesus said, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you. Now, any of you feel like you could say, that's me, I've done everything? We could even get to that point, right? But even if we could, if we've done all that is commanded us, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. We need to keep seeing ourselves as unprofitable servants. We've got to keep striving to be more and more what God wants us to be. We can never let complacency set in. All right, so a real simple lesson on a simple expression from the Apostle Paul. He said that he was trying to forget those things which were behind him. And we, we know a lot about his life. We know what was in his past. And so he tried to put the bad things behind him. And we need to do the same. But I think Paul was also putting the good things behind. He wasn't taking any personal glory. And all that he had done for the cause of Christ, he was still pressing on. And I believe that's a principle that we have to apply as well. What about you this morning? What's your situation? Uh, how, how might you be allowing those things which are behind, past things, affect your present actions toward God? It might be, as we were describing earlier, that someone here this morning has said, I'm just too bad of a person. God could never forgive me for all the horrible things that I've done. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. Don't let that thinking be in your mind. Uh, God's grace extends to you, and He has made salvation available to you. Now you must respond in humble obedience to His instructions. If you're not a Christian this morning, we hope you'll make that decision to be one. Upon hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're ready to, to uh, obey the gospel this morning, we're ready to assist you. We'll be excited to do so. We'd also be glad to sit down and study with you more. If you still have questions about what one must do in order to be saved, just say a word. We'll gladly study with you so that you can make a right decision in this matter. If you're a Christian already, uh, also you need to realize that if you've fallen away, you're in a dangerous shape. Don't allow that to continue. Put the past behind you. Repent. Pray God's forgiveness. Confess as necessary. We can pray with you this morning if that's uh, what you desire. And you could leave this place once again feeling right in the sight of God. If we can assist in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.